Psalm chapter 1, this morning we'll read the whole psalm. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth um, forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So a very familiar psalm. Most of us know this uh, very well, read it all the time. And you read this, and no one here tonight would say, you know what, I, I don't want to have a blessed life. Everyone here, as a Christian, would say, I want a blessed life. And this passage here at the beginning address says, blessed is the man that, and it goes on to list a few things. We're going to look at that tonight, about the blessed man, having a blessed life as a Christian. And I love reading the book of Psalms. Because the book of Psalms, uh, people say it's, it's the heart of the Bible. It's right in the center. Um, but when you read Psalms, you get the heart of, uh, of the writers. You get the emotion. You get the thoughts. And when you think about it, when you're reading some of these prayers, that's, that's like the most intimate moments that some people have. When you think about it, you know, your prayer life, you're pouring out your heart to God. You're pouring out your thoughts. Your emotions, your, your struggles, your desires, all these things. So you, you get a glimpse of that, of these people that God used to write the book of Psalms. And it gives us, um, an idea of our, of our life too, when we compare it. And, you know, sometimes you wonder, you know, am I going through the same struggles? Am I going through the same doubts? Am I going through the same thoughts? And then you get to Psalms and you read people that are going through the same things, that are pouring out their heart in the same way that we would and expressing their heart. So here tonight we're going to see how to be a blessed Christian, and we're going to walk through this passage. And uh, first of all, tonight I want you to notice that we need to avoid unrighteous wisdom. Avoid unrighteous wisdom. Verse number one, it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And here we see, as you read this passage, there's a division, and God is making a division between the righteous and the unrighteous here. So this first part, we're looking at the unrighteous. And he, and God always separates between men. But He doesn't do it as we do. You know, when, as human beings, we separate on a different level. We'll separate and we'll say, well, the rich and the poor. Or we'll say, the, the weak and the strong, or whatever it is. We'll separate based on culture, or race, or all sorts of different things that we compare one another to. But God doesn't divide mankind in this way. When God looks down, He sees, He separates people as saved or unsaved. He sees sinner or saint, or He sees uh, redeemed or lost. Human beings, we have a way of separating men on uh, a horizontal level, we'll say, well, upper class, we'll say middle class, or we'll say lower caste, or, uh, or different things. You know, we're better than you. We'll put ourselves in different ranks. You know, we always have different ranks or different ladders. I've been, use, I've been using this app for the last 
year and a bit on my phone call ways. Nathaniel was looking at it yesterday as we're driving from camp. And it ranks you. So you can get like little, you can rank your person up. And there's no other point for it other than you can say I'm better than everyone else. So I have this little guy, and I, if you get to the top 5% in people around you, you get a little crown. And I'm like, man, I want that little crown. For no other reason than say, well, I have the crown. But that's what we do as people. We, we, do, we, we rank each other, and we try to put each other in different categories. But that's not how God uh, sees us. He sees sinner or saint. So on one side, we see the saints. On the other side, we see the sinners. And we, he doesn't divide men as we do. In First Samuel sixteen seven, the Bible says, "Man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart." You know, we have a way of we have a way of classifying men according to society or bank accounts, or, or we compare one another with religion. But God divides a man according to His book, and that's what we're going to see here. So, um, under avoid unrighteous wisdom, the first thing we're going to look at is that we need to avoid ungodly counsel. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. As Christians, we don't need to be getting wisdom or so-called wisdom or counsel or philosophy from this world. You know, when I think of needing counsel, my idea isn't going to go to the world or to go to someone to get counsel from them. Ungodly philosophies, which we get bombarded with on a daily basis, will poison your mind. It will start you on a path of doubt. I see so many young people that get bombarded with the world's ideas, the world's philosophy, and it plants that seed of doubt in their mind. And they begin to question things. They begin to question God. They begin to question all different things in their life before eventually walking away from God because they are corrupted by the world's philosophies. I don't go to an unsaved person for spiritual counsel. Uh, when I used to uh, uh, work at the school board and I used to be around uh, people every day, I, I wouldn't go to a coworker and say, look, I'm going through this really tough time in my life right now. What would you suggest? That's just not who I go for counsel. Um, they have different ideas of what you do in rough times and things to cover up the pain and, and their own ideas of how to get over struggles in life. And it's not what Christians ought to do. You know, I wouldn't ask my unsaved or uh, a divorced neighbor for marriage advice. That's just not what Christians ought to do. I remember years ago when I was in Bible college, and uh, a friend of mine that was in college, he invited out his neighbor, and he was coming out to church for a while. His name was John. And uh, I met him a few times. We were able to recognize each other. And I remember I was at the barbershop one day. I was in Whippy at the barbershop. And in come... In walks John. He's been at church for maybe a month. And his specific reason for going into the barbershop, he saw me, he said, hey, I don't know, didn't know you go here. His reason for going into the barbershop was because he said to the barber, he said, I know barbershop is a place of wisdom. And he asked the barber, he says, do you believe the Bible? And he says, what version of the Bible do you do? And I'm sitting there saying, what is going on? He came to the barbershop for spiritual advice. That is not where I would go for advice. I'm not going to go to my barber to discuss spiritual matters. But that's what he did. And uh, you can see that he was searching. He was trying to figure things out. And I believe that's probably part of the reason why I stopped seeing him in church and why he stopped going because he was 
of going through, um, going to church and he, spiritual matters were coming up, but he wanted to see what the world had to say about spiritual matters, and that's not how it works. That's ungodly counsel. And ungodly counsel will bring us ungodly advice and direction in our life, and it's going to affect the way that we think. So we need to avoid ungodly counsel. And second, we see that we need uh, to avoid sinful ways. It says, nor standeth in the way of sinners. The blessed man is not going to only avoid ungodly counsel, but he also needs to avoid their sinful ways. It says, he walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. And it's interesting because, first of all, the psalmist here is saying, God shows the man, shows the man in the counsel of the ungodly, and the next step to that is that he's standing in the way of sinners, because ungodly counsel will always lead to sinful living. And if the devil can get you taking ungodly counsel, he can get you going and trying to speak to the world and get their ideas and opinions, he's not going to have much difficulty getting you to live in a sinful way. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, it says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We need to make sure that we are avoiding standing with sinners, not spending time with sinners and 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 trying to uh, become with them and try to uh, be a part of them. You know, I made great friends while working um, my secular job. I made friends with neighbors. You know, you make you make uh, little acquaintances when you go to the coffee shops or you you frequent a place. But my goal was always in a relationship that I was building was trying to reach them with the gospel. You know, what I didn't do was join them. I didn't go out with them when it was time for them to go out for their smoke break. Or I didn't join them at the bar after work. Or I didn't go on their weekend away where I knew things would be happening. You know, we need to avoid sinful ways. Yes, it's, uh, we need to build relationships with people, but it needs to be in the way of trying to reach them with the gospel. We need to avoid sinful ways. And it's sad today to see that, uh, even just in my own life, I know so many Christians who have no desire to avoid sinful ways. I remember when I was in college, uh, uh, a friend that I went to camp with, he was there one uh, night, uh, it was probably an evening service, maybe a conference, and he was just talking, and I hadn't seen him in a year. He's like, hey, how's it going? And he was, because um, the college I went to was in Ajax, so I was close to Durham College. He's like, hey, do you guys ever, like, hook up with Durham College and have parties? And I was like, what? I don't, we don't have parties, let alone we're not going to hook up with a, with a, a secular college to have a party. But that was his idea, and this is a Christian guy I went to camp with. I remember another friend I went to camp with. Went out for lunch with him. This was I was in college at the time, home for the summer, and a friend of mine from Kitchener. We went out for a lunch with him, and we're sitting on the patio, and he lights up a cigarette, and we both, my friend and I, both look at each other like, "What is going on?" And he goes on to say, "He's like, yeah, everyone's saying, you know, what happened with you?" And he said, "Nothing's changed. I'm the same old person." He had no desire to avoid uh, sinful ways. I'm assuming there is probably some point where he started being deceived by the world's philosophies, being deceived by, deceived by, being deceived by others around him, and eventually he's going to stand in the way of sinful. 
We need to be careful as Christians tonight that we're not that we're avoiding sinful ways. So avoid ungodly counsel, avoid sinful ways. And third, I want you to notice that we need to avoid scornful words. Avoid scornful words. The passage continues on to say, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So first of all, um, there is ungodly counsel that leads to sinful ways, and eventually that leads to scornful words. And when he's talking about the seed of the scornful, he's talking about the man who is proud of his sin or someone who's proud of wickedness. The blessed man is not going to seek ungodly counsel. He's not going to walk in their sinful ways and he's not going to end up, um, not going to speak their scornful words. Those who make it to, those who make what is good and holy the object of the ridicule. That's someone who's a scorner. You know, I know people, I have cousins who, they're scorners. They they ridicule anything that is holy or good, anything that has to do with Christianity. It's like their life focus is on rejecting anything Christian, rejecting anything that has to do with God. They're scorners. They scorn uh, the Word of God. They scorn God. And the sad truth is, there's there's a progression. We're going to talk about that. That people that eventually um, who are are um, taking ungodly counsel and they're standing in the way of sinner, eventually we see some Christians end up being scornful. They end up just turning away, rejecting everything they know, and then they turn up, end up making a mockery of all things holy. So we need to avoid scornful words or people that are scorners. So you can see the progress of the sin. You see the man, and the man is walking, then he's standing, and then he's sitting. And it's a, a, pro, a, a progression in his life. So a man, you can imagine as a man who's walking along in life, and he meets an acquaintance, and as they're, they're walking and they're talking uh, along together for a while, and then he, he eventually gets interested in what, the, what they're speaking about, and then they stop because of the conversation, how it's going. And as they're walking and talking, they stop, and eventually he's standing there with a the sinner. And eventually that ends up into sitting in the seat of the scornful. They become so engrossed in the conversation that they finally sit down. We see someone who is ungodly, but the ungodly eventually comes the sinner, and then the sinner becomes the scornful. He may not be anti-godly, he's just ungodly, but then he ends up anti-godly. And at first he's um, irreligious, he's immoral, and then he's immovable. And the last stage is what we see is when he becomes a scorner. The blessed man, if you want to be, have a blessed life as a Christian, you need to stay away from these things. Whether they be uh, someone of influence in your life, maybe it's a professor at school, it's a high school teacher, whether it's friends or whoever they are, the Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And we need to be careful to avoid unrighteous wisdom, which all starts with avoiding ungodly counsel in our lives. So after we see this uh, first portion where he focuses on righteousness, secondly, we see a focus on Scripture. We see uh, um, a switch. It switches from a negative viewpoint to a more positive viewpoint. So if you want to be, to be a blessed uh, person, you need to avoid these things, but now we're going to look at the positive, what we need to be doing. 
So we see a turn here. It says in verse number two, it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. The blessed man is not going to get his inspiration or his information. He's not going to get his attitude or his philosophies from the ungodly world, but he's going to get it from the word of God. We need to avoid these things, but we need to seek them in God's word. So a few things I want you to notice tonight. First of all, we need to delight in the law. Delight in the law. The blessed man, he just simply loves the word of God. He loves the scripture. You know, when, when I think about the Psalms, and I think about these people, like I mentioned, who are pouring out their hearts, you read a chapter like Psalm 119, where it's all focused on the Word of God, and it's talking about the laws and the statutes, and how they just love the Word. And you know, when you think about that, all the scripture that these Psalms had would have been the law. It would have been the Pentateuch, the first five Bibles, and they just loved the law that they had. Many people today who claim to be Christians, but they don't love God's word. I was having a conversation this morning uh, down in the cafe, and that was part of the conversation is uh, uh, Christians and and how many Christians don't really have a grasp or a love for God's word. They're not getting into God's word and how they just have a, a small, minute understanding of the word of God. But we need to delight in the law. God and his word are not easily separated. So to love God, it's only natural that you would love his word and it should excite us. I hope tonight that the word of God excites you. We should want to share, we should want to talk to fellow believers about the Word of God. So I hope tonight that you get excited about the, about the Word of God, that you uh, delight in the law. I found a, a funny little illustration. It's there. It says, I, I heard of a preacher who came and visited a woman at her home, and she was trying to show off a little bit to impress the pastor. It was time to read the scriptures, so she told her little boy, go get that book that mother loved so well. When he came back, he brought the Sears catalog under his arm. You know, what are you delighting in in your life? I hope you delight in the law. If you want to have a blessed life, we need to be delighting in the word. We need to go into the word for all the answers in our life. So we see delight in the law. Second, I want you to notice that we need to meditate in the law. Meditate in the scriptures. You know, when we read the scriptures, when we hear the word of God, we need to not let the scripture pass through one ear and go out the other. It shouldn't just be something that uh, uh, we brush over once a day, but it's something that we need to dwell on. It needs to be something that we chew on and, and mull over in our mind. We need to consider it throughout the day. We need to also apply it to our lives. It's one thing to hear the scriptures. It's one thing to, to think on it, but are we going to apply it to our lives and change our life according to what the Word of God says? The way our life is today, it's such a... a uh, a busy way of life, especially as we come closer into the GTA area. It's just, it's just the way it is. It's a busy way of life, and it's so easy to get distracted in our lives. Things come up, the busyness of the home, the busyness of your family, the busyness of school, the busyness of activities, all these different things, and it's so easy for us to get distracted in all areas of our life, let alone uh, in the Word of God. Our, our minds are so overstimulated and we need to take time out of our day 
to meditate. The Word of God says day and night. We need to be starting in the morning and, and just starting our day off meditating on the Word of God and and chewing on that throughout the day and, and letting the, the Word of God work in our life, letting it uh, apply to our lives, helping other people around us through what God has given us in His Word. We need to meditate on His Word. We need to so love the Word of God that all through the day, wherever we are and whatever we're doing, we can go back to that moment when we had with God and meditate on the Word of God. So delight in the law, meditate in the law, and then apply the law. Apply the law. Make it personal to you. Notice what it says here. It says, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. It says in his law, the blessed man, in his law doth he meditate day and night. Notice it doesn't say the man of God um, is not under the law. It says he is in the law. So night and day, it has meaning and relevance to his life. It's something that he's applying to him personally. It's something that he loves personally. And he's saying, my law, my scriptures, the words that God has given me, not, not something in a, in a negative connotation, but he's saying it in a positive way, something that I'm going to hold on to and apply personally to my life. God's letter to me, the way that God is going to speak to my life and touch my life. In his law doth he meditate day and night. So not only must you therefore learn the word of God and delight in it and meditate it, but we need to live it. And you've never really learned it until you live it. So we need to apply the law. We need to focus on scripture. And then lastly tonight, we need to reap, or we will reap the blessings. As we look at this blessed man, we look at this passage, and we see as the focus went from unrighteousness and avoiding these things to focusing on the Scripture and the Word of God, we can see what blessings this blessed man reaps in his life. In verse number 3 it says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And the figure of speech uh, that is used here, it says the blessed man is like a tree. The blessed man who has been avoiding unrighteous wisdom, the blessed man who has been focusing on Scripture is going to reap blessings in his life. So there's several I want you to notice in the passage. The first one I want you to notice is vitality, life. It says like a tree, he will show vitality. And the emphasis here is the tree is a living thing as um, over against chaff, which is dead, which the passage refers to. It says, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff, in verse number 4. Now, the difference between the tree and the, uh, the chaff, one difference, of course, is life. The tree has life, whereas the chaff is just the exterior, the husk that is dead, that's fallen off from something that has already been fruitful. But the tree is something that's living. The man of God who has been sinking his roots down deep into the, the streams of God's word, into the law that he delights in, is like a tree planted by the rivers of water. So we see the vitality, the life that he has from being planted in the word of God. Jesus said in uh, John 10.10, 10, it says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it, or, and that they might have it more abundantly. So we see vitality uh, second, we see stability. 
The passage says, he shall be like a tree planted. And once again, we see that uh, the contrast that the tree, uh, with the tree and the chaff. Uh, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. You know, in our life, we're going to go through storms. We're going to go through tough times. And when the winds of adversity, when the, the winds of difficulty are going to blow, we're going to see the difference that it makes when we're planted, when we're stable, when, like that tree that's planted by the river. It's rooted, it's grounded. And that's the way we're to be. We're supposed to be rooted in the faith. We're supposed to be grounded, settled, unmovable like a tree. You know, can you picture it right now? A tree planted by the river, well watered, the roots are running deep. That's a big tree. That's an unmovable tree. You know, have you ever tried to move a tree? Try to break a tree? Ever even try to break a living branch? You know, you can have a living tree with a healthy branch that's not even that big. You can try to break that. And you might crack it a bit, but you're not going to get through that branch because it's living, it's strong. So now picture the trunk of that living tree, rooted, roots running deep because it's planted by the river, the stability that it has because it's, it's foundation, it's firm in the Word of God, in Scripture, in God. You're going to reap the blessing of stability in your life. Third, we see fertility. God's word says, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. He's going to be a very fruitful tree. Jesus said in John fifteen sixteen, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Uh, the Bible in Galatians 5, we know the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, verse 22, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. These are all fruitful things that we bear as a Christian when we're grounded and planted on the bond of the Word of God. We're planted, our life's planted in God. It's fertility, being fruitful. When we look at the chaff that this passage is referring to, that's something that, is fr- that has uh, no fruitfulness. Uh, when you think about the chaff, it's something where the fruit has already been taken from the chaff. And all the chaff is is the husk with the fruit taking out. Uh, um, it reminds me of uh, the story of Gideon when he's threshing wheat. What is he doing? He's throwing wheat into the air so that the wind would separate the chaff away from the wheat. And the chaff was the useless thing and the wind would drive it away. So one of the benefits is fertility and bearing fruit. Many people don't have fruit of the Spirit because they don't have the Spirit. And sometimes we try to teach people how to be full of love. We, we, want, we want to show them how to be full of joy and how to be full of gentleness and temperance and faithfulness. But ultimately, that's a waste of time if they've never been saved. They've never been born again. They don't have the vitality. They don't have the stability and therefore they cannot have the fertility but a tree planted by the rivers of water bring, brings forth fruits. Uh, number four, we see consistency. Consistency. The blessed man will also be consistent. Uh, it says in the passage, his leaf also shall not wither. It's like an evergreen tree that's green all year, in season, out of season. It's going to be green. It's going to be full. It's going to be lush. And he is blessed for all season and his leaf will not wither. He's not going to be up and down and back and forward and, and all about. He's not going to, tr- the leaves aren't going to turn brown. It's going to be, 
someone who's consistent. I always joke with Amanda because at her house we have lots of indoor plants. And some of them make it and some of them don't. They're going through the seasons and some of them are, are, are withering and they're dying and they'll have brown edges. Someone who's planted by the river, a tree, they're going to be consistent in their life no matter what season comes in their life. And it's going to be because of the roots that are planted into the water that are running deep. You know, those roots, those are unseen. What do you see? You see the leaves on the trees. You cannot see the hidden part, uh, the root part of the tree, but you can see the leaf. And if the outward life uh, of the tree is green, the leaves are green, it means that the roots have gone down deep. But if the outward life withers, it means there is something wrong with the root system. In uh, my parents' backyard, uh, we used to have a bunch of trees in the in the in the uh, perimeter of the fe- of the fence line. We had a big maple tree, uh, two apple trees, a pear tree. I remember one of the trees. Uh, my dad was uh, putting a, a big concrete post in the yard to put a, a flag pole up, and he went and he was digging down in that very spot, and there was a big root, and it wasn't anywhere near any of the other trees. You know, it was kind of off to the to the to the one side of the uh, backyard, whereas the trees were along uh, the other edge. While he was digging this hole, and he saw that big root, and he took a saw out, and he cut right through that uh, the root of whatever tree it was from. He didn't know which one it was from, but he cut through it. Well, as the year went on, the apple tree that was um, opposite of where the the flagpole was, one half of the tree started to wither. It started to die, and eventually that tree ended up dying because he cut that root system. There was a problem in the root system. You know, the tree looked good for a while, but because the root was affected, because it was it was uh, cut away at, the tree eventually withered away, and it had to be taken out. As Christians, we can't afford to be away from our quiet time with God. We need to be having uh, our time with uh, the Word of God, studying the Scripture, being planted, being firm, being stable in the Word of God, being blessed by God, and we're going to be consistent. And if we're consistent, we're rooted, and that root system is strong, we're going to see our life being abundant. We're going to see our life green. We're going to see ourselves being consistent on the outside as well. If you want to have a blessed life, your life needs to be rooted in the Word of God. So we see consistency. And lastly, I want you to notice this evening, prosperity. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Prosperity. The Bible says that God hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Psalm 35, 27. And when we read this, uh, we, we often make the mistake of equating prosperity to money. And that's not the case. That means that God is going to have his hand upon your life. Prosperity is is achieving the will of God for one's life, continually achieving the will of God for one's life. That's prosperity. That is the blessing of God. God's plan for a life is to see His will continually achieved in our life. Because God is going to take care of us. He's going to take care of all the details. Therefore, that is prosperity in our life. Sometimes... Uh, the people of the world seem to prosper, and we look at them and say, well, they're prospering, and we make the mistake of equating the fact that they're living an extravagant life with prosperity. But we ought not to envy those people because 
That would be like envying a pig that's being fattened for the slaughter. You know, their life means nothing. That isn't true prosperity. Look at what God says in verse number 4. Uh, he says, The ungodly are not so. That is, they do not prosper, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. We sing a song in our hymn book, In the Sweet By and By. It says, There's a land that is fairer than they, and by faith we can see it afar. For the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. You know, ungodly are not going to see that place. They may be uh, prospering in the world's eye, but they're not going to be able to see what God has promised us in heaven. They're going to perish. The Bible says that they are like the chaff which the wind blows away. So when God says whatsoever he doeth shall prosper, he's not saying that we're going to live in a mansion necessarily, not that we're going to wear the finest clothes or eat the best food, but it's saying that we're going to have the joy that can be compared with no other joy. Sometimes good times will come. Paul says, I know how to abound. I know how to be abased, but uh, he said, I've learned in Philippians 4.12, I've learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. You know, as Christians, no matter what we're going through in our life, no matter what state we're in, we can be content. So we can't equate prosperity in the world's eyes with our joy, with our understanding, because the way Paul put it, he says, it doesn't matter. As a Christian, whatever state I'm in, I can be content. And we can be content in our life. We can be prosperous because God is achieving His will in our life. Paul learned the secret of Psalm 1, that the blessed man and whatever he did would prosper. So we can prosper today if we're rooted in God, if we're rooted in His Word. So as we look at this familiar passage, Psalm Would we take it to heart? Would we not just run over the words? You know, it's so easy for us to say, well, I'm going to read, you know, maybe I'll read a psalm a day, and maybe that's the psalm we read that day. Let's not skip over those words, but let's chew on them. Think about what these words say. We can have a blessed life. We need to avoid unrighteous wisdom, ungodly counsel, sinful ways, and scornful words. Let's not digress through that pathway of sin, but we need to focus on Scripture. We need to delight in the word, we need to meditate in the word, and we need to apply it, and then we can reap the blessings of vitality, stability, fertility, consistency, and prosperity in our life. I hope today you want to have a blessed life. I hope you want to see the blessings of God in your life. You know how often do Christians struggle, but they're not grounded in the world, and they question why? Well, we know the answer. We know what we need to do. We need to be grounded in the Word, and I hope tonight that you're grounded. I hope that you delight in God's Word tonight. I hope you're rooted in it and that your roots roots run deep. Let's pray tonight. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so thankful that you want to bless us, that you show us how we can be blessed, that you give us the instructions uh, for our life, Lord. And I pray that everyone here tonight who's a, a Christian, who's a believer, Lord, would uh, would be challenged, that they would have a desire to have a blessed life, that they would have a desire to avoid unrighteous wisdom, but they that they'd rather seek your word, 
that they'd find the truth and be grounded in your word, Lord, and that we'd reap the benefits, the blessings that you had promised to us in our life, Lord. I pray that you just be with us now, that you just bless the remainder of the service. In your name we pray. Amen.